Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. What do you do when you, when you teach on Christmas every year? How many times can you teach the Christmas story? That's always the wrestling point, you know, in coming in and bringing a message during the Christmas season. And I find myself looking at that a lot of times. And, and I'm a big fan of the nativity scene. I, I, I say it a lot of times. I collect nativities from around the world. And in fact, just this last trip we were on, we were in Havana, Cuba. And I couldn't believe that I actually found a nativity scene in Havana, Cuba, being a communist country. But I got one. I want to share it with you. I got this in Havana. I love it. It's my nativity scene from Havana. And I love the, just, I don't know. I love how it just, people's interpretation of it, right? And so you, you see the three wise men, the three kings, however you want to call them. And so um, I just want to share a few things. We did last Sunday on the, this whole idea of the wise men. Um, you know, here's what I love about the Bible. It's alive. And every time I read the story, just something else comes to life in me in that. And so I've been in the wise men story for a long time, it seems like. And I want to share something with you this morning. And if you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you to go back and listen because we talked about what, what do you do when you're following a star and it ends up at a stable. And uh, I want to encourage all of you to go back and, and take a look at that. I want to go a little different direction with that uh, today. Uh, what is fascinating to me about Christmas, the Christmas story, is how many times it's told before it actually happens. I mean, there's so many prophecies, right? There's, there's so many things foretold in the different books of the Bible and all the way back to Daniel and in Isaiah, and you see prophecies that are told in different aspects of it, and all of a sudden, the moment it happens, uh, there's something powerful and special about that event. And then I thought to myself, how many things have God said about you and I that have yet to come to pass? And because if you're looking at the Christmas story, hey, can you just look at your story for a second? And because how God works is he sets things in motions long before you ever get there. And the Christmas story is a great reminder to you and I, God is faithful. He has done and said things and spoken things over your life. He has things for your life <clears throat> that you haven't even experienced yet because you know the Christmas story. He'll bring them to pass. <clears throat> the story of the wise men fascinates me on a number of reasons because not only were these prophecies foretold, these are people that aren't even people of God. I mean, they're from a completely different culture. In fact, if you were to study it out, they're from the area of Iran, they're Persia. They're from Persia. They've been studying the stars. They're astrologers, astronomers. They've been studying the stars, and they end up being a part of the Christmas story. They were in a prophecy 700 years earlier following a star and ending up. I wonder how many things God has said about us. And what you see in this story is you see cross-references, prophecies. And, and if you look in Scripture, you see cross-references all from Old to New Testament. How many cross-references are there about your life? Oh, if we only knew that. Maybe Christmas is a motivator and inspiring thing for you and I to look back in the Word of God and see what God has said about you and I. Because it's not till we arrive at that moment that we really don't understand, because now we have the benefit of looking back, but never forget what God has spoken about your life. Because the Christmas story says this faithfulness of God. And so let's take a look at the Christmas story from an aspect of the wise men. Let me, take a, uh, let me read it for you in Matthew 2, 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and have come this way to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. 
That means, that's because he, it meant he was no longer going to be the king. So that kind of bothered him a little bit. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Now here we see a prophecy from Micah, the prophet, 700 years earlier. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them, what exact time did the star appear? Give me a timeline. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him as well. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I love this story for so many reasons. But what struck me in bringing it today is all the cross-references that you see throughout Scripture that God brings to pass. I mean, I, I, I was studying and researching this, and I found a gentleman who'd done the research on it, and apparently there are over 63,000 cross-references in Scripture. That's what makes it so cohesive. That, that's what makes it so alive. That's, that, that, that's what brings it all together from beginning to end. That's what makes it a, a, a work, a writing like none other inspired by the Holy Spirit, that there's over 63,000 instances in Scripture that are spoken or said or dreams that come to pass in another place. And I thought about that. I don't know if there's 63,000 about my life. I just would like to know six. But I can because I can find them in the Word of God. Amen? What God has spoken and said about my life. God, in other words, God has a plan. He is working out. Even if you can't see it, He is working there's things he said about you and things that he's planned for you that you have no idea until the moment you arrive at that place, but he is working. And so can you imagine 700 years? What about after they're studying all this, right, and they're learning uh, the book of Micah and they're, they're looking at these prophecies? And what about after 100 years and nothing has happened yet? What about 200 years, 300 years, 400, 500 years, 600, 700 years? In other words, God has his own timetable. But the faithfulness of God will bring it to pass. And so I love the Christmas story talking about the faithfulness of God. And in this story, here's some, here's some wise men from Persia that come to bring gifts to the newborn king, to Jesus, in other words. And, and at this time, understand, Jesus wasn't a baby in a manger. He was, he was anywhere from one to two years old because when the star appeared, he was born. It took him it's seven, eight hundred miles to travel by foot to get there. And so scholars believe he's about one to two years old. I have a 16-month-old grandson. I imagine him being about that old. And I wonder, like, I wonder, like, they bring these gifts. I don't know about you, but how many of you plan to give your kids gold this Christmas, gold bars, right? If you did, could you just adopt me? I'll be so good, I promise, all next year, I promise. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm planning, my, even my grandson, I mean, I don't think about things like gold, frankincense, obviously, no, right? But the point is, like, he's just 16 months, I want to get him a PS5. He needs it. He needs one of those cool remote control cars, and he needs a drone. He's asked that, right? So we're thinking of these things, and 
don't know. And, and so some more, more practical than me, we talked about this last week, would come into that scenario and they'd want to give, you know, it just seems more practical. My wife is very practical and logical in her gift giving. And so my wife would come and probably bring like a, a blanket, you know, for them and, you know, some fabuloso. That, you know, we talked last week and that. <laughs> Can I just say again, I, I went home and got the bottle open and I just was like enjoying the scent, right? The fabuloso. I, I love it. Something, something spoke to them. Something perhaps in the prophecies that they've heard discussed with Daniel really was the one when Daniel was in captivity. He was in captivity in that area in Persia. He was really the one sharing prophecies, et cetera, et cetera. And so for all these years, they have studied and heard, and something spoke to them to bring something that meant or that was associated with his purpose. Do you know that God has things he's working out? He wants to give you and bring you into that are in alignment with your purpose? See, we're looking for the PS5s and the drones. We might be even looking for the Fabuloso, but he's bringing things out that line up with the purpose he has for your life. So he's on a mission, and you're on a mission as well. And what I love about the, the, these men is they, as they come, and it says that they came before him, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Understand, when they met with the current king of the Jews, it doesn't say that they bowed down and worshiped him. So there was something different about God's plan and purpose than man's plan and purpose. So there's something different we should see that we should see and embrace and search for in this season, if you will, if no other time than this season, that what is God's gift for my life? What purpose does he have for me? Let's not get caught up in all the world's purposes and things because they may not even be in alignment with God's, but let's find out that we, the one that we really truly should bow down and worship and surrender our life to, not only worship, but bring him our best gifts. And I love that it says they opened up their treasure. See, it was something more than just a gift. It was a treasure, meaning it had purpose. It had value to them as well. And, and so it, you, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So the gold makes sense, right? Because here we have three wise men from the east, three kings, three magi, however you want to say it, coming and bringing gold. Gold was a sign of, of royalty, of authority. Gold, you would give gold to a king. We understand that. And then they have frankincense, and frankincense was this really sweet-smelling scent, and frankincense was important at that day because it was used in the temple to worship God. It represented relationship and worship with God. But what about the myrrh? I mean, it really makes no sense because if you're really studying out these three different kinds of treasures or gifts they've given, gold makes sense, frankincense makes sense, and then you got this myrrh, because if you know what myrrh really is, myrrh is a burial spice, it's like the gift that your crazy uncle brings that doesn't make sense to anybody. It's like, what was he thinking when he did that? Right, we all have that. You don't wanna raise your hand because he's probably here for the angel choir, right? You don't wanna do that. <laughs> that one gift that's like, what is that all about? And yet, we can't miss that gift because that gift has such powerful meaning. Again, we can understand the gold and authority and, and kingly authority. We can understand the royalty. We can understand the frankincense. It's, it speaks to priestly things. It speaks to relationship with God. It speaks to worship. And then here comes the myrrh. And understand the three wise men must have known something in that moment because that moment wasn't just about the birth. It was about the mission because they bring burial spices. And when I think for you and I in the Christmas story, so many amazing, wonderful things we celebrate, but let's not miss the mission. We celebrate the Savior coming and be born, but understand, in order for us to receive and walk in all that the Savior and Messiah has brought for us, there has to be a sacrifice. 
And that's not a negative thing like, oh, well, that's a downer, right? No, no, that's even worthy of more celebration, to be honest with you, because it's the best gift you and I could ever receive through him. It's amazing the myrrh made it in the story. What about the myrrh? I just think that's fascinating to me because how would these guys know? They're not even the people of God. They heard prophecies of old from Daniel from times past, and all of a sudden, there's something more about this child. I think it's you and I need to remember there's something more about this child. See, unless we realize that this little kid came with a primary objective, we'll miss it. Unless we remember that he has on a mission, he has a reason, we'll miss it. And actually, the boy was born to die. He was the Messiah. And that's what God had set in motion so many years ago, and now in this moment had come to pass. And somehow the Magi understood that. They, they knew life was in the manger, but they also knew salvation was in the manger. Redemption was in the manger. Sacrifice was in the manger. Or can we say it this way? Death was in the manger. There was a connection. There was a connection there. And look at John 19, 28. Let me start reading there. Later, knowing that everything had been finished and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, Jesus is on the cross at this moment in time. Let's jump ahead from the birth now to his crucifixion. Now he's on the cross and he says, give me something to drink. I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge to his, uh, on a stalk of hyssop plant and lifted it to his lips. And when he had received the drink, he said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the cross during that time, and they asked Pilate uh, to have the, the legs broken so the bodies could be taken down. In other words, what we're seeing unfolded here is more prophecies that had been spoken 700 years ago and that are now coming to pass. And again, to me, it's just another illustration for you and I. There are so many things spoken over our life that God has set and established that we have yet to walk into that moment. See, because everything about Jesus was cross-referenced in Scripture, if you will. Everything, what are the cross-references of your life? Because he's bringing them all to pass, even to this point. The soldiers came and, and took care and broke the legs. The first man had been crucified with Jesus, and then those are the other but when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. It said one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, bringing blood and water. And the man who saw it has given testimony. His testimony is true. He knows this and he tells the truth and he testifies so you may also believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. God will fulfill what he has spoken about your life. I mean, we can look at the story from the birth of Jesus to the time that he became his mission and purpose he fulfilled on the earth, and we can see, what is the God that you have for me? Where can, I find, where can I find what was spoken over my life in the scripture? Where can I find what God says about me, his children? Where can I find that? Because if God's gonna bring this to pass, he's, he's gonna bring that to pass in my life, and so these things were fulfilled, and, and as another scripture says, that they will look on him one and and they'll see that he was pierced. The scripture said his, no bone in his body would be broken, and it wasn't. It said that he, they would look on him and he'd be pierced, and he was. I mean, can you find a place in scripture where God said something that didn't come true? No, because that'd make him a liar, and God does not lie. Is there then something to be said about what does this mean for my life, what God has for me? 
and we question and we struggle. And the Christmas story should say, God is faithful to his word. If no other reason, look at the myrrh. You can just look at the myrrh and know. And so it says later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because he feared the Jewish leaders with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had early visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought, now listen to this, Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh about, and aloes, about 75 pounds. All right, so here we see at the birth of Jesus, the wise men come with myrrh, and now we see at the death of Jesus, there's 75 pounds of myrrh. What was it about the myrrh in Jesus, the gift that we celebrate? What does that mean for you and I? You know, myrrh was actually uh, a lot of times made into a scent and myrrh would be used um, in this moment to help overwhelm the smell of death and decay. Isn't it interesting that the wise men brought the myrrh that symbolizes overwhelming or overcoming death and decay? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, so in the manger, when the, when the wise men bring the gifts, they, they bring gifts of gold, which represent authority, and they bring gifts of, 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 of frankincense, which represents uh, worship of God, and, and they bring the myrrh, which represents overcoming death and the grave. See, what we find in Jesus in that moment, what we find in him is not just a savior, but we find with him, we find the ability then not just to be saved and going to heaven one day, sins forgiven, but what we also see in that, brought in that moment, is you're in my authority to be sons and daughters of the king and to walk as one who has the authority of. What we see in that moment is as one who, who has the ability to worship God in a personal relationship that he will never leave you or forsake you. And what we see in that moment is we see that we have the power then because of what Jesus did to overcome death. But not only did it overcome the stench of death and decaying, but it also had healing properties. So when you think of the work of Jesus on the cross, not only did he die for your salvation, but he took stripes for your healing. How did the wise men know that? And how do we miss that? I mean, because maybe we get caught up in some of the other things, and I get it, and that's okay. Let's celebrate. It's celebratory. It even is when you talk about the death and decay or that kind of issue, but it's celebratory for you and I. But let's not miss the myrrh. Because all those gifts have something of great significance. When you realize when you receive the gift God has given us in Jesus, you also receive authority over the things of this world. You also receive a personal relationship that he'll never leave you or forsake you. And at any time, any moment, you can stop and lift your hands and your voice to him and worship him and he is there. And also remember at any time in your life and what you're going and experiencing, he also provided in the gift of Jesus for you the power and ability to walk in health and healing and have everlasting life. In the myrrh. That's what we see. That's what we see. The gift that Jesus brought us, if I could say it this way, the gift that Jesus brought us was the death of death. Spiritual death, right? Everlasting life. It's in the myrrh. It's in the myrrh. No one needs to spend one more day on earth living spiritually separated from God 
that death has been defeated. No one needs to fear that. No one needs to come at the end of a journey on the earth and fear that because Jesus has defeated your death. He was pierced for you. The prophet Isaiah 700 years earlier said this in Isaiah 53, four through six, surely he took our pain, bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. And we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's in the myrrh. I love that. There's a deeper, dip, deeper meaning here. And again, myrrh can be used to clean as an, a wound as an antiseptic. It was used a lot for healing, the healing property. But its primary purpose was to be used to overwhelm the smell of death. Jesus got the myrrh at birth. I love that. And Jesus defeated death for all of mankind. You know, tonight, we didn't sing it this morning, but tonight we'll sing one of my favorite Christmas songs, it's Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And if you guys will put the words on the screen for me, I hope that I gave them to you. And in that, Charles Wesley writes this as he writes the lyrics. In one of the verses, <clears throat> he writes this, Hark the Herald's Angels Sing, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, Hail the Son of Righteousness, Light and life to all he brings, Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, listen to this, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. When you understand the myrrh, that verse has different meaning. Born that man no more may die. It was in the myrrh when he was born. See, when all this takes place, it's one moment, three gifts in one moment. But if you study out the scriptures, you'll find there's one other place in the scripture that you see all things represented, all three, all three represented. You don't find it in a passage of scripture being listed, but you find it in the picture of the tabernacle and the temple. And that was where God had created or, or uh, he had instructed his people to build a place where they could gather and worship and sacrifice and worship him and connect with him, the tabernacle, when they were wandering and then the temple was built. And in there, when you immediately come into the courtyard, you see uh, the area, the altar of sacrifice where they had to put sacrifices for their sin. And on there, in that place, you would find incense made of myrrh because it was there to overcome the smell of death. And then you go into the next place and you go into the holy place. And the holy place, you would find incense burning and it was the place of worship on the table of incense. And what you would find is that smell represented worship unto God. And then you would go into the holy of holies and in the holy of holies, you'd find the Ark of the Covenant made in solid gold. See, what the picture is, is the temple. And the Bible says, in your cross-referencing thing, that Jesus himself says that this temple will be destroyed and in three days it will be rebuilt. What Jesus is saying with gold, frankincense, and myrrh, if you, were, if you will, is that he came, not just as a savior, but as a place. His life represented a place where we can come and find victory over death. Where we can come and find moments of worship, where we can come and find what we need from God. 
And I'm not talking about a building because the scripture also says this, as you cross-reference yourself, that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. In other words, Jesus came so you and I could partake not only in his life, but also in his death, but we can walk in and receive the authority that's been given us. Worship him at any time because he is worthy of it all. And then overcome sickness, disease, and death because we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And that, and that is part of the Christmas story. And that's what we need to be reminded of at times like this because life just gets busy. It gets overwhelming. It gets disappointing. But know this, God has cross-referenced your life with so many things you don't even know. And if nothing else, what we see and celebrate in Jesus coming to the earth, we need to remember that he is working behind the scenes until his time to bring that to pass. But until then, when you receive Jesus, walk in the authority that he's given you. Develop your relationship with him every day. And remember that you have been given the ability to overcome sickness, disease, and death. Because Jesus was born. And Jesus was born to give life and to put to death, death. And that is Christmas story. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.